0: So, I will be looking forward to your comments and your suggestions as practitioners. I see uh, some uh, good practitioners, respected practitioners here. So, uh, after first uh, paying my respects to the Guru Parampara, I would request all of you to give me suggestions on which directions I can take So the intention of this paper is to uh, get a uh, get a feedback, a mirroring feedback from all of you. Okay. Uh, so as I said that this particular research I have been trying to do f- as a psychologist from a psychological lens and I have been trying to read texts in Sanskrit, different texts in Sanskrit and I have been trying to make sense of it uh, in a psychological sense and I have tried to introdu- uh, put in as much rigor as I can, looked at several texts and tried to understand it conceptually as well as practically. So the title of my presentation is Oneness as a Lived Reality, Yoga, Vedanta and Tantra through some select aspects of the Sri Vidya practice. So I'm going to examine certain select psychological aspects. Uh, Before I move, I would request you to put in an alarm. So by 12 minutes, you should let me know. I think I have 15 minutes. So I would like to focus on that. Now, oneness as a lived experiential reality is an interest for all of us who are not just psychologists, but also what we call as sadhakas. So what is it? What does it actually mean? Oneness as a lived experiential reality, not as a construct, not as a thought, not as an intellectual idea, but as a pursuit. Mm, I don't know how to move how to move this. Mm-hmm. Ah, no. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So this is so the spiritual pursuit is to experience and live as oneness. That is the standard that we see in our Indian texts, in the Shasta, in the in the Vedanta texts, in the Prasthanatraya etc and this is something amazing to understand what is oneness i have just taken a easiest definition which i find and also that which goes with this co- idea of oneness as a lived reality not as an intellectual construct is what we see in bhagavad gita chapter 9 Shlok 4 and 5 which says mm-hmm. maya tatam idam sarvam jagad avyakta Murtina, matsthani sarvabhutani nachaham teshva vastita and the fifth one, Nachamasthani Bhutani Pashame Yoga Maheshvaram Mamatma So I have rendered into four sentences which we studied uh, in Bhagavad Gita: Self in all beings, all beings manifesting in Self, Self does not identify in beings, and no beings exist in Self. So this looks like a paradox of oneness, and this is the starting point on which I would like to go in a step-by-step model. Okay, so there are two points which will then elaborate into the next 10 minutes. The first point is, after reading all the separate traditions and reading all the texts, it appears that, historically also, that a coherence and integration of these systems was undertaken from 11th century onwards up till early 18th century in the life of Bhaskar Raya Makhin, who was an expert in authority on Shakta Advaita. So you see that this process started from 11th century onwards in these three systems of yoga, Advaita Vedanta and Tantra. How? We have very good respected scholars here. I would like that they give feedback to me in the end. The second point is this integrative framework of these three is expressed in the practice of right-hand tantra called Samaya. And I will look at just one aspect of that from a psychological lens. Some very few books have been written on the right-hand tantra and they have not looked at the psychological aspects of it, which I will try to identify. So what is it? So we have uh, the first connection that we see is in this integrative framework is this first step between yoga and Vedanta. What is the connection between yoga and Vedanta? And scholars have been divided, especially T.S. Rukmini has written a Paper on Dharma Megha Samadhi, and she looks at Viveka Khyati in Yoga Sutras, Prasangkhyana, and then Dharma Megha Samadhi, and then compares it with the idea of Jivan Mukti, and she literally analyzes all these terms in great detail, and she comes to this conclusion, T.S. Rukmini, that Jivan Mukti only Bhoja says that Jivan Mukti is not connected to Dharma Megha Samadhi. Whereas uh, Vyasa and everybody else after Vyasa says that Dharmamega Samadhi or Viveka Khyati uh, leads to Dharmamega Samadhi and that Dharmamega Samadhi is part of Jivan Mukti, even Vyasa says that. Uh, TS Rukmini does not agree with Vyasa, which I find fairly amazing. Even Ushur Budarya, uh, can I have some water? Even Ushurbud Arya, which is Swami Ved Bharti of uh, the Swami Rama tradition, has also written. Thanks. Has also written. Thanks. So even Swami Ved Bharati or Ushurbud Aarya has also written and T.S. Rukmini mentions that, but she does not agree with it. In fact, she identifies Bhoj as one person who comments on Patanjali Yoga Sutra and does not mention that the Dharma Megha Samadhi is part of Jeevan Mukti. Whereas we find all other scholars saying that this Viveka Khyati or Prasam Khyana viveka khyati leading to Dharmamega samadhi is that stepping point from uh, or transition point from yoga to vedanta and so this is the first step and what does it mean that raj yoga practices are utilized to experience the purusha or that viveka khyati and this connection is through this particular concept of viveka which is both a vedantic concept and is obviously and clearly used in patanjali yoga sutra and the concept of viveka khyati or prasankhyana which you find in the third uh, throughout the chapters dharma megha is um, mentioned only in the end of the uh, end of patanjali yoga sutra only once hmm? so uh, there is some kind of a connection that is happening from Patanjali Yoga Sutra to Vedanta, and that is through Viveka, Khyati, and Viveka. Here, I am following Vyasa, and I am disagreeing with T.S. Rukmini. Uh, Even Bhoj doesn't write exactly that it is not connected. Bhoj just focuses on the nipklesha-nivrutti. He doesn't say it is not jivanmukti, or he's just silent about it. Right, so these different stages from a psychological perspective, and Paranspe has written a lot about it, and a lot of, uh, especially Paranspe, uh, the different stages of Samadhi literally decontextualize the contents of that intentional consciousness. So if we were to look at it in a psychological sense in more detail later, in terms of the dissolution of the internal objects. So Piaget talks about, Piaget is a a theorist of cognitive development in psychology, and he says that, cognitive development is organized in schemes and these schemes have internal objects as, as as well as an awareness of the external objects so paranspe and others have said that samadhi and uh, samadhi and different stages of samadhi especially nirvichara onwards there is a significant decontextualization or, or or some kind of integration and harmonization of those internal objects which finally lead to the more and more deepening of the samadhi states and an experiential, uh, uh, experiential and lived awareness of Viveka, not just an intellectual understanding of this is real and this is not real but a lived understanding of what is real and what is confused as real and what is unreal. And this how uh, we will also see another important text which literally connects the Yoga Sutra concepts with Advaita Vedanta and the Saptagnana Bhumikas of Jivan Mukti Viveka, where you will find more of these connections. So what basically psychologically happens is that you have a refining of subjectivity and you have an understanding of the pure, in, pure subject. Now, one of the things that happens in experiential understanding of Viveka and experiential uh, knowledge of Viveka is you are able to disidentify at will. What does it mean? Neuroscientifically, we haven't checked it. But the person is cognitively disidentifying. That is what is Viveka is. And what is the affective component of that is, is able to detach, which we call as vira. So Vivek and vairagya are constantly talked about in Patanjali Yoga Sutra as cognitive and, af- I understand them, as cognitive and affective elements. So disidentification and by implication, it means identification as well. Now how does that work? Let us see. The second step of that would be the experience of Viveka. So we are not talking of an intellectual understanding of Viveka. We have, to, we are crossed that, crossed that point. And we are talking of an experience of Viveka and the pure, clean subjectivity. And then you see this in uh, Jivanmukti Viveka, in uh, by Sri Vidyaranya Yati, where you have two chapters on Vasanakshaya and Manonasha Prakarana before you go to the chapter on Jivanmukti Prevasion, right? Where the Saptagnana Bhumikas are shown. And you have these three stages from patti to Asam Sakti to padartha where you have where you are, where Vidyaranya clearly calls um asam sakti and bhavini as stages of Jivan Mukti. And he clearly explains in the Jivan Mukti Prayojana that you need to do all the three things simultaneously, which is Vasanakshaya simultaneously, Manonasha simultaneously, and Samadhi Abhyasa simultaneously, which means that there is an integration of yoga as well as the Advaita Vedanta, first step, and how it moves to the next step, which is more interesting psychologically. So the point here is, this is the paradox of this is the paradox of oneness the para- central point is that there is a vedantic realization now after satvapatti so i'm not talking about after satvapatti and there is a vedantic realization but there is a transactional reality to live and a whole lot of texts talk about uh, it, it appears that the meditator is acting but actually not acting and so so the central point is vedantic realization and this transactional Reality and its separations and multiplicities, etc. How does this work out with oneness? That is a question. So, this paradox can play a havoc in the practitioner's mind unless we can create an enabling system, an enabling cognitive system in the mind which can then enable a stability in that realization. And what is that? So, we come to the next point. So now, uh, yoga and tantra, one would think that yoga and tantra is odd. As we see, yoga and Vedanta can be seen, but Vedanta and tantra, there has been a lot of discussion and fights on it. And lots of people across history have argued and fought, and there have been perspectives that yoga, uh, Vedanta and tantra are incompatible systems. But S.K. Ramchandra Rao in his book traces the history where there was an alignment from the 14th to 15th century onwards. And uh, we will come to that point here as well uh, after some time. <clears throat> so symbolization is a tantric psychological principle, apart from looking at soma, which is the body. So symbolization is a is a principle of tantra, psychological principle of tantra, uh, which is especially on the body, which you see in Hatha yoga practices. Like in the earlier presentation, you see those symbolizations mapped on the body as chakra. Hmm? It's a symbolization which is mapped on the body. And one of the concepts that the, the, the Tantric terminologies use is Nyasa or Bhavana in the case of Bhavanopanishad. So basically, you, either it is a re-symbolization of the body in Hatha yoga practices or availability of the existing symbolizations. Depends on which perspective you're looking at. and. S.K. Ramchandra Rao then traces this history of Tantra and Advaita Vedanta through the Atharvana and the Taitriya texts as well as through Sri Vidya. And some of the sources are commentary by Lakshmi Suri on Saundara Lahari in the life of Sri Adi Shankaracharya and Bhaskaraya Makhin who commented on not only Sri Vidya and Sri Chakra but a whole lot of Shakta Upanishad and Shakta texts. Okay. So now, what is actually happening psychologically here, what is actually happening psychologically here is that in the life of a person who has got sattva there are two oppositional cognitive uh, processes taking place. The first process is that if you have to live a life in the transactional world, to identify and utilize the schema of the world, and you have to work in that. That is the language with which the world understands, and that's how it has to be done. But cognitively, if you want to stabilize in your meditation, if you want to stabilize in your uh, experience, you Mm -hmm. also have to Mm -hmm. disidentify and disutilize or weaken the symbolization and schema of the transactional world. So these are the two cognitive opposite processes that you have to do. The solution to resolve this is found in one aspect, at least in this particular aspect, is to re-schematize and re-symbolize the world of internal and external objects through the use of a tantra yantra That is what you see. So in tantric ideas of nyasa and bhavana, or bhavana upanishad, is what we call it, what I would think right now as conscious re-symbolization of that world. And I will explain this in one aspect of it, and then look forward for your feedback. So this is, this, is not, this is something that Vygotsky as well as Piaget have talked about in, in theories of cognitive development in psychology, that how does a child understand that a giraffe is also an animal and a tiger is also an animal. So there is a scheme of what an animal is. And more and more ideas are assimilated in those schemes of what an animal is. So the first time the child goes to the zoo, the child may be having an idea that only dog is an animal because that's such <coughs> animal that the animal uh, that the child has looked at. But when the child will go to the zoo, the child will see a hippopotamus, and a rhinoceros, and an elephant, and so on and so forth. So that scheme of what an animal is, is expanded, assimilated, and that's how the scheme works. So, These are some of the theories that we use in (coughs) psychology. So, Vygotsky's cultural tools theory, (coughs) which says that language and cultural tools are provided to the child to understand the concepts and schemes of the world. This is something that we can utilize here. Then some of the concepts in Piaget uh, of uh, theory of cognitive development is object permanence and schemes which i talked about object permanence is uh, it's a very important concept in psychology and this is an important concept in would be an important concept in uh, shrividya as well object permanence is simply understood as uh, you know when a child cries when the mother leaves so what happens when a child cries when a mother leaves early childhood After seven months, the child is crying when the mother leaves, but the child is not ruined or devastated. Why? Because that external object, which is the mother, is now become a permanent internal object. This is the way the world becomes permanent in our head or in the concepts and schemes that we have. And in the process of Raji Yoga practices, you literally all those concepts of the world which has become permanent in your head now in the case of a jivan mukta holds on to the body and the brain so therefore it would create that kind of a trouble so we will see this in so we see this i'm going to stop now we will see this text that show these interlinkages yoga and advaita vedanta naguji bhatta shri Adi shankara's commentary on then step to advaita vedanta and tantra saundarya lahari and its commentary by lakshmidhara and later commentaries by Bhaskar Raya, which i see here third is yoga and tantra uh, swatmarama himself was supposed to be a nath and nath nath tradition is the one that has utilized symbolization on the body on the body hmm? right so basically the psychological principle that comes out of Shrividya is re-symbolizing and restructuring the mind consciously and through the method of the Tantra. So uh, through the method of the Yantra. So I'm just going to take one particular aspect of Yantra, which is the outer Bhupura, which is the four gates of uh, exchange. And I'm not getting into inside the circle, because it's a secret and there's no point talking about it anyway. Hmm? So, the point here is this, that we all learn Sri Vidya and Sri Vidya is in great practice, etc. The the point that I'm trying to make here is, unless you do not have a complete disidentification with the existing concepts, your scheme of Sri Vidya is just going to add to another set of schemes, right? It's not going to help you in your advanced meditation states. Just like there is a scheme of this world, there is another assimilated scheme of Srividya. Vidya. Sri is useful if you have completely cleaned up your internal objects first and detached from them and then you are reconceptualizing it. Then it is useful, is what uh, I would say. So Viveka Khyati is the basic step of stability of this Bhupura, Bhupura means the world of uh, earthly world, uh, etc. So this is the, tan- so what is how, one principle that I would like to mention and then stop is, in this one chakra, uh, in this one Bhupura, is this psychological principle of creating equivalences. I'm stopping at this. Creating equivalences between different symbols. So what happens in Bhupura is that, at the first level, if you can see, is directions. Directions are sensory-motor realities, right? On these directions, you are putting the symbolization of amnayas. What are amnayas? The tra- experiential no- uh, gateways of knowledge and learning, which means purva-amnaya, paschima-amnaya, etc. On this, you are putting the symbolization of yogas. So there are multiple yogas, but in the Sri Chakra, you are integrating all of them, north is jnana, east is mantra, south is dakshina, and west is karma. So all the yogas are getting integrated. And you will see that's happening in Swami Vivekananda's statements as well. And so on and on till you even have the symbolization of rasa as an approach. And this symbolization is just one aspect and it uses the psychological principle of equivalence. Literally finding an external object outside and creating a conscious equivalence, symbolization to an internal object inside. And therefore, it helps in the life of an advanced meditator. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: This is the time for question. Have mentioned uh, that uh, manonasa, manonasa is uh, a prerequisite for samadhi abhyasa, right? Yeah. Vasanakshaya and manonasa. Vasanakshaya.
0: And manonasa are
1: prerequisite for samadhi abhyasa.
0: Uh, they have to be parallel with samadhi.
1: No, The point is, if you already achieved manonasa and vasanakshaya. There is no need for any abhyasa. The, it is something that avarana gets removed. What is already there shines forth.
2: Right.
1: There need not be any abhyasa thereafter when manonasa is achieved.
0: Right. I will answer all the questions related to this in one shot. Do you want me to answer this now? Huh? Okay. Yes, yes, please.
1: Thank you, Madam, for your excellent presentation. It's really inspiring. And few observations. Yes. As you said, uh, it's actually the dharma-megha Samadhi. Hmm. So there, as you have uh, mentioned in your speech, it is, in the Bhashya also it is very explicitly mentioned hmm. that there is Jivan Muktavastha. Yeah, Vyasa says. Because it, it follows the Sankhya, hmm. where it is said, Tiṣṭhati druta Sharīra, Chakra Brahmiva Sharīra. Hmm. So it is accepted there and in, in this also. And tasya, saptadha, prantabhumi, prajna. Yes, yes. So if you connect that sutra, yes. so the Jivan Mukta state can be easily understood. Correct. And the kritardham pratinashtam api anashtam, tadanya sadharanatva this sutra also. Yes. So yes. it says kritardham Pratinashtam. nashtam. kaha jagat Pashati. So it is in the bhashya. Mm. So kritardhata, even in the advaita. Yes. Once kritardha... Yes, yes. See, yeah. to a kritardha there is no jagat. And Yoga Sutra also says that. Correct. Anyam Prati, that means akritardha. So Akrit Ardha is in the, uh, under the spell of Avidya only. So he can see the Jagat. So that's why it comes very close and beautifully explained. Yeah. See, yoga, the ultimate end of yoga is Advaita only. Yeah,
0: correct. Yeah. I agree with you.
1: And uh, they, they accept Advaita for their practical purposes. Thank, thank you. Thank man. you very
0: much. So uh, I will answer your question offline. I think because there's a new, uh, the next presentation is going to come. But I can answer your question offline. Madam. Yes.
2: Did you go through the original commentary by Bhaskara Raya on any tantrika texts? Yes, I have
0: gone through
2: it. Huh? Yes. So, do On you, do Bhavan do,
0: Upanishad or uh,
2: Parasharambhaka Kalpasotram. There are many. I
0: have done, okay. yes, I have read Bhavan Upanishad.
2: Because he quotes from Pāṇini, quotes from Poromimansa, Vedanta, etc. Yeah, etc. Yeah, he, yes. And there are a number of missouts uh, as far missouts. as the interpretations he offered are concerned. Huh. With many of the interpretations we cannot agree because whatever Sotra or Vartika, whatever he takes up, he huh. comments uh, in a way, I mean, that, <laughs> that, is, that is useful for you. Because huh. if you say Advaita and Sri Vidya, huh. <coughs> many people said, and uh, Advaita, Upasana uh, is discussed in third jhai fourth jhai, something like that in Sotravach also. Uh, uh. But this kind of uh, Sri etc., even an uh, iota of uh, any C D is not seen there as far as uh, my knowledge is concerned. And in Phaskara's commentaries, uh. it is very difficult to accept certain interpretations. That's all right. Of,
0: uh, Thank you. I will re at it.
2: So, uh, Uh, She's going to answer very briefly to all the questions immediately. I will. Yeah, yeah. you're going to answer. Uh, Conclude it. Shall we move to the next paper?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Okay. 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 Not a problem. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, ma'am.